Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. I hope you had a good little laugh at those. I think they had more fun telling those jokes than um, anything. And so we just want to say happy Father's Day to all the men here. Uh, so thankful for you. Happy Father's Day to my dad. Uh, he often watches online a little bit later on. Uh, at the end of our service today, we're going to take some time and pray over uh, the men. And it's uh, something that we enjoy getting to do. As a people, as a family, uh, we want to rally and stand around all of the men. So whether you're here by yourself or not, man, man we, we're going to stand with you. We want to pray over you. We want to speak blessing over you. Uh, hopefully you got to take some pictures with some of those cool cars that are out there. Uh, grab a family photo to kind of celebrate dad today. And then, of course, on your way out, uh, for all of the men here today, we have a gift for you, uh, a little something to take home and be refreshed by. And uh, in there also is a, a 10 millimeter socket uh, because we know that uh, if there's ever one socket that goes missing in your tools, it's that 10 millimeter socket. So now you can quit kicking the dog and yelling at the kids. We got you an extra one for that one that you're always missing. Just looking out for you. Hey, let's go to uh, some of you like, Pastor doesn't even know what a socket wrench is. Hey, easy, easy, easy. It's true. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at. We've been walking through the gospel according to Matthew, the apostle and disciple. As we've been exploring this theme of the King Jesus Gospel. If you want to follow along today, there's a QR code on the screen. You can scan it and follow along digitally, or you can open your printed copy of Scripture and follow along with us as we see what Jesus has to say to us today about being participants and followers in His kingdom. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them, where rust destroys them, and where thieves can break in and steal. Store yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is being a bit of an eternal investment broker, letting you know the kinds of investments that last for eternity. Verses that are temporary. He goes on to say this. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Can we read that verse all together out loud? Let's read verse 21 together. Ready? Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I'll keep reading. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When your, eye, uh, when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if that light you think you have is actually darkness, oh, how dark it really is. Jesus is playing the role here of an optometrist trying to help you understand some things about your eyes and the importance of them. He goes on to say this, no one, no one, no one can serve two masters. My pastor would say you can't ride two horses with one behind. Actually, he doesn't say the word behind. He uses a different word, but I'm much more holy than he, so I'm only going to use the word behind. It's not true, Pastor Dale. I love you. Happy Father's Day. 
No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted. Somebody say devoted. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money at the same time. Some versions say you can't serve God and serve money at the same time. He goes on to say, this is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. Now Jesus is playing the role of our therapist. I tell you not to worry whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Those are rhetorical questions, but the answer to the first one is, yes, you're more valuable and you are loved, and no, worrying doesn't add anything to your life. It actually takes things away from you. And he says, and so why worry about your clothing? That's not because he's advocating for uh, walking around in your birthday suit. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, hey, why worry about your clothing, though? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory is not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and even thrown in the fire tomorrow because it's a thousand degrees outside, he will certainly care for you too. Why do you have so little faith? That word faith in the Greek is the word pistis. It means loyalty, allegiance, and trust. It's not some abstract idea. It's not some emotional thinking. No, no, no. It's a trust and a loyalty that moves you to a committed devotion. It moves you in a direction of something. There's some action that accompanies it. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Jesus is contrasting some things. He's saying, if you are a believer, if you are someone who is following the way of Jesus, if you are a Christian, how you think, act, and handle your relationship with money ought to be different than the rest of the people in your society who don't follow God. It ought to be different. You ought to have a different relationship with it. And your response to the squeeze of life ought to not look so anxious, fearful, and worried. He's offering us some insight and some contrast here. He's not condemning us. He's showing us a better way. And I'll unpack it for us here in a minute. He says, so instead, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes your words are things we really like to hear. Sometimes they're really hard to hear. But Lord, in all things, may we seek to live according to your word, 
and not according to our own cultural ways. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I did not um, grow up in a, in a wealthy home. We had six kids. I'm number two of six, um, primarily a solo income family. And uh, there were just a lot of financial struggles I remember my family walking through. I remember when uh, we discovered that they had to file for bankruptcy. I remember um, not having certain opportunities that other people had. I remember when uh, all we had to eat in the house was toast. We got real creative with ways of eating food uh, to use what we had. If there was a way to prepare and eat toast, we figured it out. We used honey when we had it. We used butter. We used butter and jelly. We used butter on both sides because you needed something other than just butter on one side. The other side was a little dry, so you had butter on both sides. Hey, right? Like we put peanut butter and jelly on toast. We put just jelly. We put some peanut butter. We put cinnamon sugar when we were feeling really fancy. We ate toast every way possible. Uh, we got so tired of eating peanut butter and jelly. Uh, we invented more creative ways to eat peanut butter and jelly. We started putting a slice of cheddar cheese on our peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Don't judge me. I still eat it today. It's delish. If you like cheese. If you don't like cheese, you have a problem. That's all I know. Like peanut butter and cheese, that's like our, I loved it. It's so good. And of course, we had like the fried bologna. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you, you peel the ring, the red little ring around the bologna package, you fry it in the pan, you put it on a sandwich. Come on, that's poor man's steak right there. I could eat me some fry. Every once in a while, I throw back and be like, Lord, thank you. You set me free. You've provided more than bologna. Every once in a while. My dad used to make this thing called hamburger pie. Oh, no, it's as terrible as it sounds. Had like the, the big Sam's Club bag of frozen vegetables. You know what I'm talking about? Like the green beans that never got soft. The lima beans that tasted like dirt from between your toes that were hard as a rock even when cooked. You know what I'm talking about? Like to this day somebody says, hey, we're having lima beans. I'm like, I'm out. Like I don't do lima beans. I don't care how good you cook them. I ain't touching the lima bean for nothing. And you'd put it in a pan. And he'd put some ground turkey in there with the frozen vegetables still frozen, but laid them in there in this big casserole pan. And then he would take the, the pre, uh, he would pre-make the uh, instant mashed potato flakes, right? Not the Idaho brand, but the great value brand that came in seven gallons of flakes. You know what I'm talking about? Feeding six kids, it's like an army in that house. Mixed it all together, put some cheese on top and let it bake. It was disgusting. And we had it about every week. Like my dad was, that was his special, dad's cooking tonight, can I fast? I just want to get to know the Lord a little bit better. Dad's cooking tonight, like this was the reality. And I had a good childhood. I'm so thankful for my upbringing. I'm so thankful for my parents. I don't say any of those things in a disparaging way just to let you know that throughout my life, my relationship when it relates to finances has been complicated. Even as an adult, fears as it relates to finances is a reality that I have to walk through each day and in every season. It hasn't gone away. There's something within me that continues to fight for the right perspective as it relates to finances. One area that I continually trust, have to keep coming and trusting God is like this area of like the future. Will we have financial security in the future? 
There are many fears that many people, especially men who are fathers and have other people that you feel responsible for, there are many fears related to finances that you wrestle with and struggle with. In your life, whether you are a man or a woman, financial issues and pressures impact all of us, don't they? And they're real, and we have to learn how to walk with them. And these fears show up in these matters so, so often for us. And God, in his word and in Jesus, on his Sermon on the Mount, hits the subject of money. This is now the second time in this sermon that Jesus has begun to talk about money. Do you know Jesus talked more about money and finances than he did prayer? Jesus talks more in the Gospels about money than he does heaven and hell and your salvation. One thing that he talked more about than money was the subject of the Father in heaven. Why? I believe because when we have a proper perspective of our Father in heaven, financial things shift in our concerns. We're going to talk more about that as we go. I believe that's what Jesus is after. Now, now one of the things that Jesus doesn't say in this text, he doesn't say that money is bad. He doesn't say that money is evil. He doesn't say it's better to be poor than to be rich. He doesn't say that being rich is better than being poor. In fact, money isn't status. Money isn't a sin. Money isn't evil. Money can actually produce good. Here's what Jesus did say about money, though. He said this, that money moves your devotion. Money will move your devotion. This is the first observation I have for us in this text, that money will move your devotion. He says where your treasure is, there your heart, there the desires of your heart will also be. He doesn't say where your heart is, there your money is. Your heart and your desires follow your money habits. Uh, always. It always moves in that direction. Our heart is linked to our bank accounts. It's not the only thing that's linked to it. The other thing that links to our heart is our time. In other words, the things that we give our attention to, the things that we give our affection to, those are the things that are moving our heart in a direction. Jesus, again, in this, in this, this Sermon on the Mount, he's, he's done it so many times. I don't know why we get surprised by it. He's bringing the issue not to the outward, but to the inward heart. Why? Because Jesus is after your heart. The interior life, a healthy interior life, keeps our motives clean and helps us move toward an abiding life of intimacy with the Father in heaven. That's what Pastor Clayton brought a message on last week. It was a brilliant message. The first part of Matthew chapter 6, all of these certain activities that we do are activities and disciplines and spiritual practices that we walk in and abide in and live out by way of helping create a healthy interior life. Because you can't have a robust, flourishing intimacy with a, a polluted interior life. And Jesus is after your heart. He's after your affection and your attention in the direction of the Heavenly Father. And Jesus knows money moves our devotion. 
You could say it another way, money talks, doesn't it? Money talks. And as the uh, comedian quipped, money talks, and most of the time it just says, bye, bye, bye. Like, that's, that's what it does. It, like, straight up in sinks right out of your bank account and sinks to somewhere else. It's gone. Money talks. Uh, uh, have you ever noticed that we have an interesting way of talking about money? We call it the almighty. Sounds an awful like the almighty God, doesn't it? Yeah, we don't really think twice about the phrase. But I think it's important that we stop and we pause and we reflect. On is really the almighty dollar? Or is it almighty God? Be, be, because you can't serve both the almighty God and serve the almighty dollar. You can't, ser- you can't give your attention, you can't give the lion's share of your attention and your affection and your devotion to God while simultaneously giving the lion's share of your attention, affection, and devotion, and allegiance, and loyalty, and trust to, to the almighty dollar. You must choose where you want your heart to go. Where do you want your heart to go? You cannot serve and to be voted to God in money, and our hearts always follow our money. You know, there's a lot of people who get mad, get a little upset, get a little agitated when people behind a pulpit and with a microphone on a stage in a church building talk about money. And I get it. Over the years, there have been a lot of people who stand in a place where I'm standing or who come to you on your TV screen in some way, shape, or form, and they abuse the word of God and twist and manipulate scripture to get you to give them more money, and they are greedy, they are evil, and in some cases, it's like, I don't know, somewhere along the way, the people of God have forgotten about the character that is necessary in order to stand and shepherd in leadership positions. We've kind of thrown character right out, and as long as they've got good charisma, we'll roll with it. Sorry, that's a soapbox. I'll have to get off that one for a minute. And they've done damage. So some of you, the minute we started reading about money, you like started clenching them cheeks a little bit tighter. Like holding on to them quarters, ain't wanting nothing to fall out. We're not passing a plate. We're not passing a bucket at the end of the sermon. And we're not passing those multiplication money bags that do magic tricks with your money when you put them in there. That's a church joke for all my oversaved church people. If you've never seen one of those, bless your heart, it's okay. We're not doing none of those things. In fact, we haven't passed an offering plate or a bucket in years. If you want to give, you can choose to do that, and it's a choice of your will as an act of worship to your God. There are You can walk in and walk right past our offering boxes every single Sunday, and you are always welcome to come sit in this place. But I will tell you this. When God gets a hold of your heart and starts to shape your life, it will show up in what you do with your money and in how generous you are to the Lord. I think a lot of times we get mad when we talk about money because um, if I'm being incredibly, well, I'm just going to be honest. I'm always honest. (laughs) Pay attention to the things you get mad about, frustrated around. They likely reveal an idol that you've never identified. You get mad politically, it's likely that there's an idol around the area of politics that you've given your devotion to an unhealthy amount of devotion. We have parents who are chasing down umpires in parking lots after ball games to yell and scream that they called seven-year-old Johnny out on strikes 
Johnny wasn't going to swing anyways. He wasn't going to get a hit, and he ain't going to the MLB, but you're yelling and you're screaming, and you're getting mad over something that I... It reveals an, reveals an idol. We have a tendency to take what is a good gift from God and turn it into our own God in every area of our life. And so we start talking about money. People start to get mad about how things... Just let me ask you a question. How happy are you about the gas prices right now? I'm not even going to make icon. I'm just going to look at the word for a minute. How many of you have already complained online about, I did this, and look who made it happen, and you're all upset about it? There are things that don't make me happy too. But at the end of the day, my heart is not at Casey's. My heart is in the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and who he is. And he is my heavenly father. And I want my money to move my devotion in the right direction. And anywhere I'm getting angry in any area of my life, it will indicate an idol that I have likely given an unhealthy amount of devotion to. Good things that we turn into God's. Good things that we turn into God's. Some people would say, yeah, pastor, money's not bad. Just, just don't let possessions own you. You make sure you own them and you steward them. I, I agree with that to a point. I think Jesus would say, it isn't about money owning you and it's not about you owning your money. It's about God owning both of you. It's about him being king, him being Lord, him being master in every area of our life. And what we need to understand and what Jesus is helping you understand is that money will move your devotion, not the other. Your devotion doesn't move your money. Your money reveals what you are already devoted to. Here's the second observation I have for us today is that not only does money move our devotion, don't miss this, but your devotion, our devotion, fuels our spirituality in our spiritual reality. It moves. If you want to have a flourishing relationship with God, if you want your faith to be healthy, if you, if you want to see God moving in your life, if you, let me say it another way, don't want to be worried, anxious, or afraid related to financial things, go back and look at what you have done with your devotion around those areas because that's what's fueling the reality of your spiritual, your soul. What is the state of your soul right now? And this is what Jesus is bringing our attention to. This is why Jesus plays the role of an eye doctor for a minute. And he says, the eye is the, is the thing that gives light to your entire body. In, in other words, what you focus your attention on is either bringing light to your soul or it is darkening your soul. It's either lightening your soul or it's darkening your soul. It's darkening our hearts. So when we focus on money and financial things, whether we have a lot or we have a little, it still can darken our soul because we're focusing on the wrong things. Money is just money. It's a resource to help you grow in your devotion to God, to help you grow in a healthy soul and life. And some of us are so used to the dark, we think we're in the light. That's what Jesus said. And we're so assured that we're walking in the light 
in an area, but we are darkened. It's like we're driving around at night with our headlights off. And it's only a matter of time till you wreck yourself and you come crashing into an anxiety, a breakdown, a mental health issue, or a collapse in your relationships. Many people are being fooled thinking that they love God most. Please hear me. Check your bank account. It will tell you what you love most. It tells me what I love most. Some of us love vacations more than we love God because our devotion is fueling our spiritual reality. It's fueling us. Some of us love appearing rich more than we love appearing holy before God. Some of us love travel sports for our kids more than we love prioritizing the time with God. Some of us love our drugs more than we love God. We love decorating and redecorating and redecorating and yard sailing for our homes more than we love God. Some of us love Anheuser-Busch more than we love God. Some of us love new golf clubs more than we love God. Jesus, forgive me. I've been doing some shopping lately, like, oh, Father's Day's coming. Let me see. Daddy needs a new iron set. Yes, he does. Our devotion is our attention and our affection. Your attention and your affection is filling your heart with light or it is filling your life with darkness. The dark cloud of anxiety what you're focusing on is filling your heart in that way. Some of us love more fashion than we love God. And our bank account reveals our love, our worship, our devotion, and our affection. I think this is what keeps many of us from living a life of flourishing God. We, we've repented. We started coming to church. We've kind of changed some things. But we have not yet taken that step to put God first in the area of our finances, to allow him to have that control and to live open-handed before the Lord. And it's one area that is keeping you from flourishing in the way that God wants. It's one area that you think you're holding control over. And I'm telling you, when you control something, God is not. And he's not going to stand in the way of you trying to control something. Many of us are being gripped by fear because we've put our focus spiritually in the wrong places financially. We're focusing on the wrong things when it comes to our finances. And an unhealthy focus and perspective as it relates to financial things will destroy, hear me, it will destroy your other relationships. J just track with me for two seconds. Money and financial things are one of the number one causes of stress in the home right now. Just how's your blood pressure every time you're filling your car up with gas? Just, just watch it. <sighs> Breathing deep, right? You're just there. I get it. Stress as it relates to money. It's one of the number one causes of, our, of stress in our homes. Money fights are one of the number one reasons people argue in a relationship. Not just maritally, but with your extended family, with your kids. It's the number, one of the number one reasons we get an argument. And follow that through to the next step. Money issues and arguments and not being on the same page. Money and finances are one of the top three causes of divorce. 
Don't tell me money doesn't impact your life. It moves your devotion. Money moves your devotion, and your devotion is what's flourishing or causing a demise of your spiritual life, your interior life. Unhealthy relationships in this area will lead you to a life of fear, worry, and anxiety. They are linked. I'm just trying to help open our eyes to see this today, guys, because I don't... I don't, I don't want your home to be a place where there isn't peace because you're stressed out about finances. I, I don't want your kids to be afraid of the future because they're not sure how dad is going to react when he, get, when he sees the mail. It impacts every area of our life. We will be gripped by fear when we are not gripped, don't miss this, by the love of the Father. You will be gripped by fear when you are not gripped by a love of God. First John says, perfect love casts out all fear. Who is perfect love? God is love. He's your heavenly father, and when you get a revelation and an understanding of the love of God in your life, it moves and removes the fear. That's why Jesus takes it a step further, and he's not just saying, hey, listen, money moves your devotion. Hey, friends, listen, devotion moves and impacts your spirituality. He takes it another step further, and he says, listen, wrong devotion and focus will lead you to fear. And he gives us an alternative on how we do that. Friends, fear is something that we all face. Fear is something that has a way of feeding the unknown in our imaginations. Have you ever noticed that? You become more afraid when you allow your imagination to run in the wrong direction. And that you just feed it. Yeah, but, oh, here comes a storm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to storm. It's a tree, it's going to fall. I know it's going to fall. It's going to hit my car. I just, I just got done paying off that car. I'm going to have to pay for that. I don't know if insurance is, do I have the right insurance coverage to fix that car? And you're laying awake at 1030 at night, stressed out, full of fear over a storm that hasn't even hit yet. Fear plays with your imagination creating scenarios in your mind of an alternate reality. Friends, this is why we have the power of worship. <laughs> because worship is our worry moving in reverse back in the direction of God. Because it allows our mouth and our minds to be fixed on focus on the truth of who God is, a loving Heavenly Father. And so this is how we fight the battle of fear in your life and in your home, is to fix our worship in the direction of God. Because the more I focus on God who is love, who is good, who is faithful, who is there with me, He removes the worry and worry begins to decrease in my home and in my life. If you're struggling with worry and fear, start worshiping more. I'm not saying just have songs of worship playing. I mean sing and lift your hands and get on your knees and worship God while you drive in the 35 through the brick streets, bumping to the beat. Just go with it. That's a little inside Fort Scott humor for all those of you who are watching online. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Bless you all. Come see us. We'll, we'll give you a bumpy tour. It'll be fantastic. 
That's, that's not a political. I'm not trying to say something about our streets. I know it's a point of contention. I love our bricks. Praise the Lord. He provides shocks for all of us. I got myself into trouble with that analogy, didn't I? It's got a weird. Lord Almighty. Friends, wrong devotion will lead you to some fear. Fear will start shouting to you. Fear not only feeds the unknown. Listen, fear in your life will cripple you. It will paralyze you from moving forward. Because of the imaginations, you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I can't do that. I don't know how to, I can't do that. I don't know how to fix that. I can't. There's nothing I can do. Nothing can be done. Nothing can be done. We're all stuck in this. Just vote a new guy in. Maybe that'll fix it. But I feel helpless. Fear will make you feel helpless when you're not. Because fear is a lying, prophetic spirit of a future absent of God. It, lies, it cripples us. And then you know what fear causes us to do? Not only the imagination start rolling and we start fearful and worry and anxiety kicks up and then we get into the point where it cripples us and we can't move forward and we don't know what to do and we don't see an option and we don't see things. The only thing left to do is start pointing fingers at other people. Well, if my boss wouldn't be so greedy and would finally give us a raise and he wouldn't be such a slave master, I'd finally have time to do this and do that. And if it wasn't so daggum hot out here, I'd finally do this and I'd take care of that and I'd go there. More money is not going to fix your fear. It's just going to give you more to be fearful about. And we have a tendency to allow fear to crawl. And Jesus is addressing three areas where our fear runs rampant as it relates to financial things. I'll give them to you real quick. Number one he addresses is the fear as it relates to provision and protection. Provision. Look at the birds. Will God not take care of your needs? Will he not take care of you? Oh, he will. If he's willing to provide for birds, won't he provide for you? He will. This week I heard a story from one of our elders. They were telling us a story about um, how there was a part on their tractor that had broken and they needed to get the tractor fixed so they can move forward with some of their farming endeavors. That's about as descriptive as I'm going to get with the farming endeavors, friends. That's, that's about all you're getting today. But he couldn't do it, and so he had to go to the John Deere uh, place, and he went in, and he knew on his way there, he's like, they don't have this part. They never have this part. They're going to have to order it, and it's going to be at least two weeks because you're ordering something and manufacturing and things and problems. And he was just like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a bad. Shows up. Happened that somebody ordered one, didn't need it. They had an extra of that exact part that day. And he drove home as he went to go fix the tractor with his part. He was like, you know what? Man, God provided that. That was God. God made that happen. God was there. God already sees ahead in my future and has made provision where I can't make provision on my own. And the fear that we have as it relates to provision and protection is that God won't come through. The real issue isn't God won't come through. It's the issue that you want to try to control your cash flow. The issue of provision and protection as it relates to God isn't that God's good enough. It's that you think you've got to do it. You think it's a control thing. You think that you can control your, your, your area of things and you can control it all, but God's like, nah, dog. I'll take care of you, though. And we have fear of the provision to come our way. Jesus didn't say care less about your financial things. Jesus isn't rebuking you for worrying about them. He's not saying, stop worrying, you little. Just love God more. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's offering us a different path forward. 
He's offering a, a different way forward. See, he's, he's letting you know your father is your provider, but he invites you to participate in it. The birds didn't make the worms, but they had to go gather them. What, what skills have God given you? What opportunities are out there for you? God absolutely will provide. He doesn't need you to try to control the outcome. He wants you to partner and contribute in his provision for your life. I believe that with everything inside of me, you participate, you partner with God, but he's the provider. You don't look to you for the outcome. You look to him for the outcome, but you participate along the way. And that's the antidote Jesus is giving us. And then he says, listen, listen, listen. Don't just worry about provision, but don't have fear as it relates to people's perception about you as it relates to material things. So many people use possessions as a way to cover up their insecurities. They shop. They go after the, the deals. Try to show off the new boat. Show off the new thing. All they're really doing is compensating for an insecurity inside their life. And Jesus is saying, you don't need to be insecure in that area. You don't need to have the perfect filter and the Instagram thing and the this and the that to get the love and the applause of the people around you. Your heavenly father already loves you and he's going to adore you and adorn you in all the things that are going to make you beautiful inside and out. It's the love of God and the father's good desire to give you good things. But we do, man. We, we buy a new pair of, pair of jeans. We put them on and we're like, man, I feel like a new man. This, this looks good. These are extra skinny. I've been working out. Like, I'm feeling good right here. You slip on a new pair of jeans and you just feel like a new man. You ain't new. You're the same person you were before. But you feel different, don't you? Buy that new car. You're going to make sure that new car smell lasts as long as possible. You keep the rolls, you keep the windows rolled up. You start parking in different places because you're somebody special and don't want to park around those other cars. And you double-click it. Beep, beep. I'm going to click it one more time so people know. Boop, boop, boop. That's right. That's my baby back there. It makes you feel good. It's really just a mask for an insecurity. Does God have a problem with you having things? No. Please, have clothes. Please, transportate. Great, wonderful. But don't use it as a means to try to satisfy a longing in your soul that only the Father can fill. And Jesus comes after us. And then he comes after one more. The food, the drink, the food, the drink. Let's have a party. Because for many of us, the pleasures of our world are the thing that we do to try to satisfy something in our soul, just looking for another good time. So we shop instead of stress. We go on vacation instead of develop a rhythm of rest. We spend money beyond our wage, getting into debt. Because we're trying to appear to have pleasures in our world, to feel better about life. And Jesus is saying, don't you understand the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking? 
but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you a satisfaction that you feel like if you don't treat yourself, nobody will treat you right. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to treat you right. I'm going to take care of you because my Father in heaven takes care of those things. The response that we need to these fears isn't to go off and say, okay, all possessions is wrong and it's evil and we just need to live with poverty. We just need to be, we just need to be in poverty. We need to, not, we need to pretend like we don't have money and we don't have things and we're not blessed by God. We just need to pretend and be in poverty and keep thinking that we don't have enough. No, 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 no. That's a poverty mindset. That's not of God. Neither is this uh, twisted approach to like God wants you greedy and he calls it prosperity. That's bunk too. God doesn't need you to be greedy. Greed is not an issue of having a lot. Greed is not even an issue of having a little because whether you have a little or you have a lot, you can still be a greedy person. It's not an issue of the amount. It's an issue of your attention. You can be generous and have a lot of wealth, and you can be generous and have very little wealth. It's an attitude of your heart, the way you attach and think about and view money. It's not accumulation, it's attention. And the answer isn't to go into poverty, to think, think negatively. Some of you said it in the first service, I'm going to say it again because it was good and I think it was from the Lord. Some of you are living so frugally. You're calling it good stewardship. But it's actually just fear of God not providing tomorrow what you have right now. I'm all for good stewardship. I'm all for it. But don't trick yourself to thinking that being frugal is what you're doing. You're actually being gripped by a spirit of fear and it's, and it's promoted by a poverty mentality. You don't need to live that way. Well, if we do this, then we won't be able to do that. Can, um, am I good? Good? Am I good? I'm looking at my elders. Am I good? I'm going to say it. You want to know what's holding, <clears throat> Jesus. You want to know what's holding back our community from moving forward in progress? A spirit of fear as it relates to money. It's a poverty mentality. It's not the only thing. There's a few other spiritual dynamics. I'm not here to unpack all those right now. shows up. How do I know? <laughs> People are pretty mad about some stuff, i.e. brick, streets. The more angry we get, the more it reveals idols in our life. God wants to set us free from being bound by a spirit of fear. And it starts when we recognize the preeminence of who Jesus is. When we recognize that Jesus goes first. When we recognize who God is and what he's done in our life. When, when, we, when we start to recognize and, and, and fix our focus on the Father's love for us. It starts to change us. Well, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
Fear does not come from God. Instead, he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, self-control, sound mind, some versions say. These three things that the Spirit of God wants to give you in your life through a relationship with Jesus, these three things directly combat the three fears Jesus addresses in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to go fast. Instead of giving you a spirit of fear of not having provision, trying, and you start trying to control your life, God wants to give you the power through his spirit to trust him to be your provider in life as you prioritize heaven first. God doesn't want to give you a spirit of fear leading you to create some insecurity and make you have a perception of being something that you're not. Instead, he wants to give you his love, a spirit of love that is unmistakable and removes every insecurity that has held you back and lied to you for your entire life. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do. The Spirit of God wants to come and remove the lie and the fear of that's trying to control and manipulate and get you to chase all of these pleasures to where you can't say no. You have no self-control. You just buy, spend, buy, spend, buy, spend. And he wants to give you a spirit of self-control to say no to your flesh and say yes to pursuing God. God. Say no to the things that everybody else is doing. All the new kids have a baseball bat. All the people have this. All the other ones do this. It doesn't matter what other people do. I'm living my life for the audience of one and the spirit of God is removing the fear where I have to try to chase pleasures, chase possessions, or try to control the provision in my life. I'm putting him first because he is preeminent. And the spirit of fear God doesn't want to give you to give you the Holy Spirit instead that empowers you to live differently and to think differently about money because it moves your devotion and your devotion changes your spirituality so we fix our focus on Jesus we fix our focus on him and as we focus on Jesus, as we worship Jesus, the fear, the anxiety, and the worry around financial things begin to diminish in the light of his love, of his glory, of his grace, of his spirit at work in our lives. Would you stand with me? I'm going to end by giving you a recap of a story that I started in the beginning. See, I just looked at the clock. When, when you begin to focus on Jesus and he becomes first priority in your life, he becomes prominent in your life. When he becomes the one that you worship, when he gets your, the lion's share of your attention and your affection, at least your money and your time, when God gets those things, the quality lion's share of those things, fear begins to diminish and, and now fear no longer grips you to think I can't do anything. You actually begin to see what you can do and you can start making moves in the new direction. It, in my life, Recently, my wife and I, we've been talking about how fear around financial things and provision and protection has impacted so much of our life. 
And we've begun to undo and redo some things. And, it, and one of the big fears that, that I have in my life as, as a man, as a husband, as a father is not having like financial security in the future. For most of my life in ministry, it's very much like paycheck to paycheck kind of living. Just, just the reality of where we're at. Single income, wife was staying home. Those are some intentional decisions we make. Now, I'm not saying any of this to, like, please don't read into it. I'm just telling you how it works out in my life. Is that, can, is, is that okay? Can I just be me for a minute? And so the reality is, like, when it comes to, like, investing for our future, we, we are very early in our game of doing that. It's only within the last probably uh, seven or so years that we've had a little bit of margin to begin moving in that direction. And, and I do mean... And so for years, it's like, man, I, I can't do anything. I can't do anything about that. Man, I can't change my calling. My calling is here. This is what I'm assigned to do. I, I can't change that. Can't, can't change realities of places where I've served and the reality of... of you can't change those things. There, there are a lot of things you can't change. And so for a lot of years, I felt very helpless as it relates to, to financial security. But over the last several months, as we've just kind of been meditating on this and fixing our focus and worshiping and just looking differently and allowing the Lord to speak to the fears and the insecurities of our own lives. Can I, the Lord whispered something to me. He says, yeah, there's a lot of things you can't do, but you know what you can do? You can eat healthy and exercise and take care of your body so you can work longer. There are some things you can do. Fear wants you to think that you can't do anything. When you get the love of the Father, you begin to see a world of possibility. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And he invites you to partner in that process. As we get ready to pray and dismiss, I want you to, I want to pray over the dads, the men in the room. So if you're near a man, a guy, would you place a hand on them? And if you need to move from where you're seated to make sure someone isn't standing alone, please do that. Please do that. We are a family, and we're going to speak blessing and dedication over these men. Men who often carry a level of stress, fear, worry, and anxiety around financial things. But as we see our Heavenly Father correctly, we will father with a pure heart and pure motives and without fear because of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, today we pray over these men. We speak blessing over them. Those in the room and those online, God, I, I pray that today you would speak life over them. You would pour your spirit out on them. Lord, where there is devotion that has been misplaced, where their things have been moving them away from you, God, would you help us to recalibrate and recorrect and come back to a spot where, Jesus, you are preeminent in our life and you get our attention and our focus, God. Help us to realize that when it comes to financial things, it's not about accumulation, it's about our attention in this thing. It's about what we're giving our attention to and, God, may our eyes be on you, the Father above who loves us so much, who cares for us, who's already in our tomorrow Tomorrow, so we don't need to worry about tomorrow, God, because you're already in our tomorrow. 
And God, I speak blessing over these households. Speak blessing over these men. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and you would keep them. You would make your face, your gracious, loving, caring, compassionate face shine towards them and give them a sense of peace. That you would lift up your countenance in their direction, giving them your attention, God, where their eye, where your eye is on them. And in that process, Lord, there would be such a delight in their life. We speak blessing over them over their families everything god that they set their hands to may they do it in a way that honors you and puts attention on you and lord everywhere we go this week would these men be reminded that they are radically unconditionally and redemptively loved by you jesus may the father son And Lord, where there are people in this room who are grieving because they have lost a father. Or where there are people who are hurt because they've had an abusive or bad or absent father. Would you be more real to them today as our Heavenly Father than ever before? We pray these things in the name of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And all the people of God said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.